when you're more diverse, you can you can grow your business easily, right? You're better decision makers as a diverse group because you're looking at things from diverse perspectives. And so you really want to be able to make that conscious decision as a business owner to say, okay, what's my strategy? We're not putting up another another diversity and inclusion statement on our on our website just like we do it for our vision and our mission statement, and it's not top of mind all the time, right? We want to make it so that we're practicing it because you're going to see it reflect in your numbers. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. This is episode 239. My guest today is someone I had the pleasure of meeting for the first time a few months ago when she was running uh, training on our platform related to diversity and inclusion. We wanted to facilitate a conversation that would increase people's comfort with the subject matter, give them language to be able to look at their own businesses and their own teams and their own work through an entirely different lens, a really important lens. And the reason that we invited this individual to come is because she's actually, not only is she extremely passionate about the idea of diversity and inclusion, but along with her company, get the inside view, she's actually an expert at designing the user customer experience for businesses. We all have these awesome products, but how do we facilitate that? How do we deliver it? How do we make it a delightful, exceptional experience for the people who move through our ecosystem? This is often the difference between them choosing you and choosing someone else. And it's really hard, just like diversity and inclusion is really hard when we're in it. It's really hard to know how to create those touch points from inside our business. Crystal DeCuna is particularly talented at creating systems in order to make this happen. And on the podcast today, we start to demystify the things that we need to know and the steps that we need to take in order to craft an incredible user customer experience for the people who need to know, love, and trust us. It is truly my pleasure to introduce you to Crystal DeCuna. Crystal DeCuna, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Megan, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am delighted that you are here. And I picked the word delighted on purpose (laughs) because I know it's one of the words you love to use when you talk about how do we delight customers? How do we create these intangibles to our experiences that we deliver uh, to our customers? We're going to unpack an entire conversation. We're going to get into the process around this idea of designing a customer experience that is unforgettable for our clients. And we're also going to talk about why this is so important and so relevant to every business and business model out there. Before we do that, Crystal, I'm wondering if you you can just share with us a really brief overview of your background and your story and why this is an area that you are so passionate about delivering. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Megan. Super excited to, to share this with your audience and, and really deliver some uh, 
some tangible feedback that they can take away. So my background, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, we were actually the first Indian restaurant in Niagara Falls, uh, as well as on both sides of the border, actually. So, you know, have a real entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, my grandfather was help- teaching me how to pour water at the table at 11 years old. And so, you know, that's where that spirit to really um, treat everybody like guests came from. And over the years, I had an opportunity to develop my career with uh, a large Canadian retailer. Um, some of you may know a, a little company called Danier Leather, uh, who is a phenomenal Canadian uh, retail success story, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they, they um, really set the bar for what a luxury experience feels like in, in retail. And so we, um, I, I had an opportunity to be with them for many, many years and trained uh, their team across the country uh, on sales and service mastery and really understood what that whole delivery of sensory experience was. You know, when you put on a leather jacket, there's like a transformation that happens, right? There's this smell, this touch, that feeling. And I really understood that I wasn't just selling jackets. I was really creating an experience for customers. Um, and then through the years, I um, had an opportunity to work in the construction industry. And, and that gave me a whole nother sense of, um, of what I was doing. I wasn't just selling homes. I was selling an experience, something that was really improving customers' lives. Um, and so through the years, had an opportunity to develop my own company. I just got to a point where I wanted to, you know, break out of the box and, and give my, uh, my best self. And so took the time to really invest in my own training, uh, you know, Disney and John Maxwell and Tony Robbins and all of these great um, kind of emotionally intelligent resources were things that I invested in uh, and had an opportunity to really develop my skills. Um, and six years later, here we are at the Inside View, and we've had an opportunity to, to um, design employee experiences as well as customer experiences that are truly delightful for small, medium businesses uh, really across Canada. So um, that's a little bit about what we've done and, and how I've gotten here. But um, understood that, you know, every interaction we have with a human creates an experience. And so we got to figure out if we're going to design, if it's going to happen by design or by default. I actually really love where you ended with that piece there around this notion of by design or default, because, you know, I think, and we were talking about this before, before we hit record. And it's this idea of, you know, if we say customer experience, people are like, Oh, like I'm used to the the customer service desk at the grocery store when I need to go in and return something. And that is like the thought of having to design that for our business, I think is something that um, many of us haven't really put much intention towards. But, you know, I can think of experiences where I have interacted with a business. And I was like, they nailed it. They knew everything I wanted before I wanted it. They exceeded my expectations on the small touch points. And what it meant was the larger deliverables, which actually there might be five or six other comparable companies that could do the exact same thing. But it was it was the way that they were able to deliver that service that was this significant differentiator for me. It didn't necessarily cost them any more to do that. It was just an intention that they placed around that uh, around that delivery. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. It's because I am more <laughs> distinguished in how I want to maneuver through my experiences um, and the standards I set for what I want to purchase. But um, it's it's becoming something I'm increasingly interested in. And so, you know, on that note, I mean, we've got entrepreneurs with a variety of different sizes of businesses. How do we first start by triaging our own customer service uh, experience to know whether or not 
you know, like how well we're doing. Yeah, well, I just, I love what you're saying there is, you know, that, that going to that customer service desk, you know, you're either going to get a phenomenal experience or you're not, right? It's one or the other. Um, and I think first and foremost is really identifying the difference between what is customer service and what is customer experience. And I think that's such a simple thing that often, you know, business leaders we really don't understand the difference between the two. And so, you know, customer service is really that transaction, right? Your vacuum cleaner breaks, you take it to get serviced. Your car breaks down, you take it to the to get serviced. It's that service, it's that one-on-one transaction that you're having with, uh, with that customer. It is a person or perhaps a digital transaction, but it's that one-on-one transaction. When it comes to the customer experience, though, that's the opportunity, that's, that's the way that customer feels when they've left you and what they're going to say about you and really that emotional connection that they've something you've done or said or in the way you've done or said it whether it's your attitude or your communication style something in the way you've communicated with that customer even digitally has left such a great impression with them or not so great of an impression with them that's ultimately left them with an experience, right? And so I think that's the first thing for for business owners to really look at is, you know, are we just providing a service or are we providing a service to create an experience? And what does that outcome and output look like? And often, you know, it's really about analyzing that from a, from a metrics point of view. I'm, I'm it's interesting. I usually work with, I always work with small, medium businesses, particularly because they're a little more agile and metrics, although extremely important, they are not the top of mind. What we want to do is we want to really focus on the behaviors of our team and our people that affect those statistics and those metrics. Right. And so, you know, it's important to be able to start and understand that our first customer is really our internal customer. That's our employee. Right? What are we doing to create a dynamic and a phenomenal and an engaging, inspired experience for them uh, to be able to, you know, really do that to your customers and be able to create that for your customers? Because if we're not, you know, often, you know, especially in the hospitality industry, when we work with industries or companies, um, it's funny because, you know, we're asking frontline team members to create phenomenal experiences for our guests. However, that frontline team member has perhaps never had a phenomenal experience. Maybe they've never stayed at Disney. Maybe they've never, you know, had that 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 really phenomenal hotel experience for them to be able to then translate that to a customer. How does that happen? They don't know what it looks or feels like. Right. And so we have to be able to create those um, moments for our team and and by design, intentionally creating them um, to be able to really make sure that they're inspired uh, and they have the autonomy to do that for our guests. I could talk about this. So if we were looking at (laughs) I know I I know you could. So if we're looking at. Yeah, I find this so interesting. And I talk about this with especially online entrepreneurs all the time, because I think, you know, they get super creative on their Instagram. And then there's this sort of flat customer experience because everything is digital. And I'm, I'm wondering, because I know you've looked at this in, in the industries over the course of especially the last 18 months, mm-hmm. what are some of the cool things people are doing who have digital platforms or are running digital events to create a three dimensionality to their uh to their customer or user experience? Well, they're incorporating elements of the senses, right? And so, um, 
You know, one of the things that we've done recently, we, we've worked in a couple of different uh, projects, but, you know, we've incor- incorporated this experience box effect so that they're receiving, um, you know, boxes that are creating this experience. But the box is interesting. So one of our team members had just joined um, on, on our team. And one of them is a coffee drinker and one of them is, is a tea drinker. And so we made sure that each box was customized with their coffee and their tea. Um, but what was interesting was the one uh, team member that we have, she... She's like, you know what? I like coffee, but it's more about the smell of the coffee that I love. And so, you know, we got her a French press where she was able to actually smell the coffee. And and we got her coffee that smelt specific to what we knew she liked. Um, and it's that bad experience that I think, you know, the, on our huddle call the other day, she was just like a raving she was so excited. She's like, you know what? It smelled so good. And that's that evoke that that's that energy that that we start to evoke. So when we're able to appeal to all the senses. Also, you know, putting my diversity, equity, and inclusion hat on here, I think this is really important to be able to identify that, you know, not all things are the same for everybody. And so when we're looking at creating experiences for people, um, you know, through digital interactions, we want to be conscious. Of, of really not falling into that hole where it's your digital experience is specifically de- designed for one particular type of person, right? Um, you want to be open to it um, from a abilities, disabilities, gender, it, like from all aspects of uh, diversity and inclusion, you really want to have that lens to say, okay, how would every type of my customer really receive this message? Um, and then the other part of it from a digital perspective is, we have to humanize that digital experience. So as much as we want to create, um, you know, engaging content and, um, um, you know, promote customer experience design on our, on our web platforms or our digital platforms, we really want to be able to, to think about how we're able to include everybody in those conversations, if that makes sense, right? Really making sure that everybody is, um, that we're asking questions that appeal to everybody. Often we're too targeted on a particular demographic and we really have to open that up so that um, it's culturally sensitive if that if that applies. <laughs> Sometimes I say I say what I'm thinking, but I you know, to be able to translate it, it's more of an emotion, right? Yeah. And, you know, and we, like, we first met when you uh, worked with, with my company and with our audience around a conversation, facilitating a conversation around uh, diversity and inclusion. And I, I think this is something that um, we are all obviously aware of. And it's, it's how we execute on that, that I think is sometimes challenging because I feel like for, for many businesses, we go, oh, I know, but I'm like such a small business and my market is so is so tiny already or, you know, and we talked about this on the webinar. I said, listen, I, ha- you know, I have, a, I have a team of three people like I, I would I'm open to having a more diverse team so far. It's just not what yeah. happened, but I'm really sensitive to that. So, you know. I, I really actually want to talk about this from the from the perspective of both the, the employee experience, but also how that translates into our, our customer experience. Where do we start on that diversity and inclusion awareness piece when we are a small business and we do have a small uh, we do have a small market? What what are the things we need to start to be aware of? There's so many things, uh, Megan. You know, I think it's really about um, being open-minded and having a platform and a strategy around it. Number one, do you believe it's going to benefit your business? Right? Do you truly have a belief that 
being more diverse, more inclusive, and more equitable in your business is actually going to benefit your business. So having that open conversation with yourself, I mean, we know the answers to that. We know that from a from a business perspective, there, there's no doubt it will grow your business. But that's a belief system every entrepreneur and every leader has to really embrace. Um, and, and some won't. Some won't embrace it, and that's okay too. But uh, for those that will, it's okay now that I've understood that this will and can and does help businesses and there's oodles of statistics around that, um, you know, what's that strategy going to be like? Uh, just like we would have a social media strategy or sales strategy or a marketing strategy. Um, and, you know, of course, a customer experience strategy, <laughs> we want to be able to incorporate that diversity inclusion lens to it. So really understanding, you know, what are the needs of this particular market segment? Uh, one of the things we like to do is talk about especially in, in organizations like yours, so smaller organizations, is um, diversity through um, through partnerships. So, for example, you know, if you're hiring a uh, consultant, if you're hiring a, um, if you're in the construction industry, you know, plumbers and, and, and all of your different trades, diversity through, through trades, diversity through your partnerships. So, you know, if you've got a small team, we have a small team, we have four people on our team, and, um, you know, that's a very small team. And so we want to make sure that we're partnering with organizations that uh, have that diverse aspect and diverse lens as well. Um, and there's some really great resources out there. There's some really great communities out there that um, that do that. There's women in business councils. There's LGBTQ committees. There's um there's a uh, minority business group in Canada. So there's lots of different groups that you can associate yourself with, which allow you to get perspectives from those diverse audiences. And and then ultimately design your customer experience around it, right? Around how we want uh, these particular customers to be able to experience our brand as consistently as everybody else would. All amazing points. And, you know, I'll, I'll share a story because you, you said right at the beginning there in terms of we, we should stop and ask how diversity is going to benefit our business. And I think at uh, at surface level, we can we can also kind of lean in to these um, confirmation biases around it's going to help or not going to help. And so I, I was walking through an airport two years ago and I ran into this beautiful woman who um, I know fairly well in Toronto and she was asking me how things were and she was all excited about an event she'd just been at. And she, um, she said, listen, um, I'm just going to share this with you. And I said, okay. And she said, I know you've got impact lives, which is our big event coming up. And um, I, I went last year and it was fantastic. Um, but I want you to know I'm not coming back. And I said, oh, okay. Like, no problem. Do you, do you want to share more? And she's like, I do want to share more. She said, I didn't see anybody on the stage who looked like me. Mm -hmm. And she said, I know you're capable of remedying that. And until you do, I'm not coming back. And she said it with a smile and she wasn't trying to be antagonistic. She was just being honest that she, she didn't see anyone who looked. And it was, it was actually this really in incredibly helpful moment. One, she was extremely compassionate in how she shared that message, uh, which actually was was a was a huge asset yeah. and secondly uh she was right yeah and so it, it created this amazing opportunity for me to step back and go okay like what is going to yeah. be our process moving forward for ensuring that we are 
we are finding speakers and we are finding people who can share a message whose message is representative of a, of a larger pool and diversity. And just, just by nature of the events I had been to and where I hung out and where my network was at, especially earlier on in my business, it, it was a, it was a fairly monochromatic assortment. And I was, it really was a blessing that she shared this. And it's, it's an unconscious bias, Megan, right? That you might not have even realized, right? Because of your network, because of your, your circle. And it's interesting. So, you know, my feed on Instagram every day, I have like Bhangra dancers that come up and diversity inclusion things and, and customer experience things. I, I don't necessarily have environmental and sustainability popping up on my Instagram feed. I have to go look for that even though it's important to me i have to go look for that they've designed it so that you know it's coming to the things that you're most most um connected with and that's that's where we have to make that effort to be able to go and look for things that are going to be able to uh, create a more diverse and inclusive environment one of the things this thought i thought of this story right away there was um a business group that i was on a board of um and you know just thrilled to be on this small business uh board and you know really diving in and, and i noticed and the reason i wanted to join this board was because i wanted to be able to bring diversity and inclusion to the front and i i saw that need for it um, and so, you know, two years later, um, nothing changed, nothing, every effort that I put forward, it was like, okay, but you know, it, and I wasn't making any progress. And so we were doing events of five to 700 people and, you know, huge, huge events. And, um, there was four people of color in the room, maybe seven, if we got lucky. And, uh, and I continued to see it over and over and over again. And so finally I challenged the board. I said, listen, I want all of us to be able to bring, you know, two people of color to our next event. This board made up of 15 people. Um, And so I brought about eight um, and the total board combined brought two. And so it was interesting. Was it a lack of effort? Was it because, and I don't believe it was a lack of effort. I believe it was that they, they mean that's not part of their circle. It just wasn't part of their circle. A diverse group was not part of their circle. Now, did I spark something? Probably. I sparked a little something, but that's what we want to be able to pay attention to. And it's not doing it because we're checking a box. It's doing it because we're genuinely interested in a different type of business or a different type of, um, you know, group that might be able to bring us a different perspective. Hey, ultimately, 70% of diverse organizations are really better able to make, um, sorry, better able to capture new markets, right? And so when you're more diverse, you can, you can grow your business easily, Right. You're better decision makers as a diverse group because you're looking at things from diverse perspectives. And so you really want to be able to make that conscious decision as a business owner to say, okay, what's my strategy? We're not putting up another another diversity and inclusion statement on our on our website, just like we do for our vision and our mission statement. And it's not top of mind all the time. Right. We want to make it so that we're practicing it because you're going to see it reflect in the numbers. Yeah, I, I absolutely echo that you do. And, and, you know, I partly shared it one, because I do believe in radical transparency. And secondly, because I have a small business. And so for all those people out there who are like, oh, it's not relevant to me. It's not oh my, my market. It's you so you probably are engaged in this confirmation bias. And yeah. I, yeah, I just, I mean, I just want to call it out because then we sat down as a team. We're like, let's, let's literally finger point within our own company, all of the areas where we have been executing for a period of time where we had complete blinders on yeah. in terms of how that would impact people. One of them, you know, as a clinician, 
um, we, we would prescribe these hypoallergenic diets all the time. And I think we talked about yeah. this before. And I had this amazing um, woman on my podcast, Dr. Rami, and she was like, I never prescribe those. She's like, I'm Indian. She's like, I never ate, like, I've never eaten that way in my entire yeah, life. Yeah. It is just like, that's how another culture eats on a hypoallergenic yeah. diet, but it's not mindful of like everyone. And it was such a good point. And so, you know, it just, it was one more thing on that list where like, yeah. wow, this, this was another opportunity for us to, to resource ourselves, to be able um, to assist people from more than one culture. And when we started to have that lens and do that, it really did start to open up uh, not just our markets, but it, it actually was so honoring to our customers. Like it's, it wasn't for us. I mean, it's lovely when it impacts your bottom line and that should be part of it. But the primary piece was we had people coming up to us going, thank you for acknowledging this piece. That's thank it. you for honoring this component. Yeah. Thank you for, and it was, it felt really good. It felt really good. It's so exciting as an East Indian it felt really woman, good. Like it is so exciting when, um, when businesses embrace other cultures and, and uh, you, you just want to do business by default. Like you just want to do business, whether you need the product or service or not, you want to do business because you recognize that they're making an effort if it's a genuine effort. Right. And it's clearly in your case, it is. And so, you know, that's where I, I so bringing it back in terms of, you know, customer experience design, understanding where that customer journey is and understanding like moments of truth in your customer journey uh, and that emotional experience that a customer is having with your brand, your product or your service will allow you to kind of see one of the tools that we use in, in our programs is that we journey map the, the ideal employer, ideal customer experience. And so in that journey map, we identify these moments of truth where emotions are heightened or frightened. Um, and so when we're identifying those moments of truth, then we take a look at it. Okay, well, this is our ideal persona going through it. But what if the person had a disability? What if the person had a neuro disability? What if the person had uh, this or that or, you know, all the other um, components of diversity? Uh, what if we were able to look at that journey from different lenses? Now, the other thing is, is we can't look at it through a lens if we've never experienced that. So you want to be able to ask your customers or perhaps your partners in business, hey, we would love somebody's feedback to take a look at our experience through this lens, through the lens of an LGBTQ uh, community member. And, you know, would you mind? We'd love to ask you your opinion to take a look at our journey through this lens. And then all of a sudden, you know, not only are they feeling invited to the dance, but they're feeling asked to dance, right? Which is that whole concept of diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Diversity is being invited, but inclusion is actually being asked to dance. And so, um, and so that's how we want to be able to embrace it. You, you identify your journey, hey, you're a business. And so it's very important to, to identify that customer journey, the persona, those, those emotional intelligent experiences. But then how does everybody perceive that brand? And when we're, we're training businesses on this, you know, it's, it's also about the leadership team understanding this more than anything. So again, we, we work on a philosophy of igniting leaders, exciting employees and delighting customers. And so when we do that, it, we really focus on making sure that the leadership team is equipped with the right tools and the knowledge and the, the, the communication style and the language of appreciation, the language of customer experience, the language of diversity and inclusion, because all too often we want our leaders to lead a diversity and inclusion, you know, group or lead customer experience, but they haven't been equipped with the right tools and the knowledge because both are business disciplines. 
right? That we want to be able to understand that language before we can dive in. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's also a people discipline. Mm. It's just as we evolve in terms of how we can interact and engage more people, um, equipping ourselves with the language to be able to do that effectively, I think is, I think it's, it, it's a power move. It's a leadership yeah. move. It's one of those things that, um, will only move you, only move you forward. Crystal, you were talking about this idea of, you know, journey mapping. And for people who are interested in saying and, and look at their own business, they're like, okay, I'm actually interested in a process that I can follow. So I can actually start to layer this new lens of user experience on top of, uh, on top of the, of the journey. Where do you get people to start in terms of doing that? For sure. So, so, we've designed, uh, like I said, without, without giving it a plug, but just giving you some kind of a, an interaction is uh, we've designed a program called Customer Experience Mastery. And so in that mastery program, we take people through the seven steps of Customer Experience Mastery. And the beginning of that step is really vision vitals, right? Understanding your organization vision is one thing. And everybody's got your vision, your mission, your core values. But how do you practice that and preach it and really incorporate it into your daily happenings, right? So we teach you those elements of making sure that it's top of mind every single day. Uh, we then dive into lovesick leadership, which is, you know, as a leader, it's not our job to just manage people. Often leaders are put into their positions because of succession. It's the next best step. But as a leader, it's really our 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 role to create environments that are going to allow people to thrive. It's our job to be able to inspire consistently. So we share we share a lot about that in week two. Uh, week three, we dive into um, culture connection. So this is where we design what the culture looks like. Hey, Disney does it phenomenally because Disney's designed it to delight. You know, they have millions of garbage cans throughout their resorts and their parks, but they paint the, the garbage cans and go away green so that you don't see the millions and millions of garbage cans everywhere. They have thousands of security officers throughout the parks, but they're dressed in, in, in a really happy uniform where they don't feel like aggressive security guards they feel like people that will really help you. Um, so it's designing those elements and culture is part of it. And so we start to really look at, okay, what are the elements in your culture that are currently happening by default, which is okay. Um, but those ones that are happening by default that you want to remove and those that you want to keep and what you want to add. And when I look at culture, you know, we're, like I said, we're Indo-Canadian and, you know, we really embrace our culture in our family traditions and the way we, you know, have our celebrate things and the way we uh, communicate with each other. And those are traditions that in an organization, it doesn't matter how big or how small that you really want to start to incorporate. Uh, we then dive into top talent. You know, how do we attract, hire, onboard and retain top talent, especially with the talent challenges that are happening, labor shortage challenges that are happening right now uh, across North America. You know, if you're just posting on Indeed and on those those platforms like um, that we're so used to, well, then you're going to get the exact same type of talent that you've always received. And so we want to be able to look at different ways. You know, if you do the same thing you're always doing, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And we have to change that dynamic. So we really dive into how to attract a diverse uh, group of people so that you're going to be better off in the end. 
Um, then we talk about designing to delight, which is what I've talked about for the last hour or so. <laughs> but, you know, starting with the employee experience. So really designing that and then including the employees to design that customer experience because your employees are now diverse and uh, different different uh, viewpoints and they're going to help you to design that that customer experience. Then, of course, we get into sales and service mastery, which is, you know, the way we sold 20 years ago cannot be the way we've sold now. Uh, it needs to be much more emotionally intelligent, uh, uh, definitely incorporating digital aspects. But service is huge. We always think of selling a product, but sometimes we don't have the service set up. What happens if something goes wrong? Right? I always say, WTW, what, ha what, are the, what happens when things go wrong? Right? When things go wrong, what do I do? And that's what we need a plan for in terms of service delivery. Uh, because things do go wrong and customers are very willing and, and um, open to listening. But we, we need to have a plan for when they go wrong. And then lastly is coaching confidence. We want to coach confidence to inspire our people. Uh, we're not doing those annual reviews anymore. And so if anybody out there is doing an annual review, come call me because annual reviews are scary. Um, and they really can be a detrimental point for, for some organizations. Instead, we want to continue to always coach confidence in our people. We've hired them. We've chosen them. We've trained them. Uh, and so it's our job to, to inspire them. Right. So when when people are going through when leadership teams are going through a program like this or similar, what it would when they're diving into these elements of customer experience design, uh, they're really able to to create an environment that's going to thrive. And I just want to make sure like on a really practical level. And I loved I love that overview. I was like, ah, like there's so many elements of the customer service piece that we actually don't think of like the retention piece and like the, I love it. It's very comprehensive. I, I love this, uh, this overarching viewpoint. One of the things we talked about before we jumped on was that both within Canada and in the U S there are grants available in particular for female business owners to be able to start to address some of these elements within their business. Can you, can you speak to that? Because I think for a lot of people, they're like, this is lovely, but how am I going to how am I going to pay for the yeah, creation of this. these pieces? Yeah. I have so many things that I need to work on. Mm -hmm. Well, in Canada in particular, uh, we are a certified training provider. So that means that uh, our pro all of our certification programs, whether it's customer experience mastery, diversity inclusion, customer service, all of our programs are recognized by the government of uh, by the government of Canada. So there are funding programs that allow you to get up to eighty percent of the cost of training and development covered. Uh, now, throughout the states, there are some as well. Every state is a little bit different, but we we have a list of a couple of um, uh, of different funding options that, that do cover training. So if that's something somebody's interested in, please connect with me and I'll be happy to share depending on what state you're in. But throughout Canada, um, you know, in Ontario specifically, uh, if you're a small business under 100 people, uh, the grant could cover up to 80% of the cost of training and development, which is phenomenal. In a time like this, when we want to give our employees the best, we want to inspire them, uh, you know, it's really, really a great tool. And we're thrilled to, to have be recognized. We're actually the only customer experience design firm uh, that specializes in small business that's recognized um, for this program. So it's definitely something we're, we're proud of. <laughs> 
Amazing. And we'll make sure everyone is resourced in our show notes so that they can have access to those, uh, those elements. Crystal, I feel like this is a perfect place in the interview to make a transition to something I call our KPIs or key performance oh, indicators, just like we have them in our business. I believe we have them <laughs> in how we live our life as well. So here's my first question for you. What is your most recommended book or idea of contemplation for 2021? Mm, my most recommended book. I'm reading so many great books right now. Uh, the one I'm reading right now is called Think Again. Um, and it is, oh my gosh, I, his the author's name is missing me. Adam, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but it's called Think Again. Uh, and it's a phenomenal book that allows you to just think a little bit differently about things, put that innovation hat on. So that's definitely something, um, a book that I'm really loving right now. But I have so mm, many. That I sounds like tell you. I mean, I'm I a know. book geek. I am, I'm a book geek. So, and most are about customer experience, but most, a lot of them, you know, really about emotional intelligence, how to connect with people on a dif- different level. All right. This is supposed to be quick. I know. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. What's your favorite health hack? My favorite health hack? Um, like, what's the thing you just sneak in there you never miss? Uh, my walk, my morning walk, it is like a non-negotiable for me. Um, it, it's, you know, even if it's only, I do 5K every day. So I walk around our our, our area every single Amazing. morning. Um, yeah, that's it. My, my morning walk is a non-negotiable, even in the snow. And it gets kind of yucky. And I don't even How do would, 5K in the snow. <laughs> especially like in the snow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of you in the Southern States, like, I just want you to appreciate that walking every single day in Canada is not the same as walking every yeah. day in Austin. How would you define your purpose? Hmm. You know, it's really about, huh, I'm a mom first. So my purpose is number one to inspire my, my, uh, I, I keep calling him little guy, but he's 18 now. Uh, my purpose is really to be able to ignite something in him that he can't even see on his own. That's definitely my purpose. And that purpose has allowed me to do so much in business and, and other things too, but that's it. My purpose is to inspire him. Amazing. And last question for you, Crystal, entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? Ooh, this is such a good question. Um, I think we're born with it. You know, we're born with this idea of being able to handle the ups and the downs and the the turmoil that is entrepreneurship. Not everybody can handle it. I get a call at least a couple times a week. Hey, Crystal, I'm thinking of leaving my job. I'm thinking of starting my own business. I'm thinking, and I say, wait a minute, pump the brakes. There's so much more you need to know before you ready, you dive into that. And there's, uh, you know, I've worked in a commission sales structure all my life and very, very comfortable with kind of, you know, that feast or famine uh, idea. And so for me, entrepreneurship was like a non-negotiable because succeed or fail, it was all on me. I knew that I could bet on myself. And as an independent mom, that's a really scary thing, right? Very, very scary thing. But um, but it, it just boils me so much. It invigorates me. It inspires me because I know that it's, all on me, which is a good thing, but not everybody can handle that. That that pressure can also, you know, be um, be detrimental sometimes. For me, that pressure is exciting and igniting, but for others, it, it's not. So, I think it's something that you're born with. 
you can learn to be good at it. I think it's something that you're born with. I love that. And also you said in there, and I just want to pull it out for people. You're like, I can depend on myself, which I feel like is when I look at entrepreneurs, it is this, it is a characteristic of those individuals who are consistently able to execute and uh, achieve what they want to achieve in their life. They're like, I've created a system of self-dependence and uh, it's super, super powerful. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's a, it, it takes a support to get here. As, a, as an independent mom, I have a million people that have helped me and, you know, allowed me to do what I'm doing. But it's that faith um, that you have in yourself, that under uh, unwavering faith uh, in whatever spiritual thing you believe in. But it's, it's a faith that allows you to know that somebody's going to give you the strength to, to get to the next step. That, that's definitely something that um, needs to be solid and consistent when you're an entrepreneur, for sure. Love it. That is like, that is the power move at the end, at the end of the interview. Crystal DeCuna, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Megan, we've also given some resources to to your guests. So we do have a complimentary two hour training. uh, And so we'd be delighted to have anybody, um, any of your guests join us. Uh, But then we've also got a little freebie for a team building activity because, you know, we want to be able to inspire people. So um, I'd be delighted to have your guests uh, take advantage of that as well. Fantastic. I really appreciate that. If you want to be able to follow along with Crystal's, her adventures online, her website, learning more about the grants, we will have everything hooked up in our show notes. You can find those by heading over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast and you'll see Crystal right there and all of the resources are linked below. Crystal, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure, Megan. Thanks for having us. I found this episode and Crystal's work in particular just so fascinating. It's so important. You know, I actually, I I tend to devour books and trainings related to creating compelling user experiences, compelling customer experiences. I'm fascinated in people who are running these amazing online events and coming up with these three-dimensional ways of getting people involved. This is what enables you to distinguish yourself in the marketplace. This is what makes you fun. This is what gives feeling to your brand. And I really feel strongly it's an area that we traditionally overlook. It's not something that has to cost a lot of money. It's something that just requires our intention. I would love to hear some of the cool things that you are doing with respect to a customer service experience. We're going to be running a poll over on my Instagram at Dr. Megan Walker. I'd love for you to check that out today. And if you are inclined to want to take your own customer experience that much further, if you are interested in seeing how we are going to take it to the next level at our annual event, Impact Lives, I'm going to encourage you to join us. Tickets are now on sale. VIP tickets are getting tight. You can learn more about Impact Lives and our theme this year, which is all about marketing over at impactlivesevent.com. I can't wait to see you there. As always, I'm Megan Walker. I'm wishing you an impactful week ahead and I'll be with you again next week. 